0: I won more premierships alone than the other 19 man managers. He has created an
1: absolute war zone.
0: Prem. Frank. He's
1: man. Boys, we are here to ranch. James. We have to do justice before just sliding right into the top four. I didn't want to get off track. This, uh, this is cool. one of the best title races
0: of Good afternoon. And Patrick.
2: Uh, You're in a really heated first. race to finish in the top four. And you trot out a B team. What do you mean? What? I don't have an office. I'm talking about World Wow.
1: Welcome. Welcome. To Prem de La Prem. On today's episode of Prem de La Prem, we continue the Summer Roundtable Roadshow and take a pit stop at Old Trafford. Not literally Old Trafford, but we had two diehard United fans join us in Pat's apartment, so it was probably the next best thing. Uh, <laughs> in one corner, we have Colin, a local friend and fan whose passion for United burns redder than his hair, and in the other hand... In the other end, we have a Burton meets Burton cross-generational showdown. Uh, Nigel Burton, the man himself, joins the show as proof that United did exist before Sir Alex Ferguson. Uh, Patrick, as the Arsenal fan or voyeur, so to speak, uh, listening in, what was your take on the show?
2: I really enjoyed it. I think that um, United is... Um, not as big of a crossroads as Reddit might have me believe after this one. You know, I think that we got a little bit of a measured approach, which is not something you see in the mainstream media, and that's just prem to la prem coming at you the way we do. Um, really measured approach to United. I think that it's a, I think it's a great listen uh, at what I think is one of the more captivating clubs in the Premier League. I don't want to say best, or I don't want to use another mm-hmm. superlative, so I'm going to leave it at captivating.
1: The problem with Reddit is it brings all these opinions to the fore, and you just highlight the ones that are the most absurd, and then you yeah. you start to convince yourself that this is a majority of a fan being represented, but it's really not. Oh,
2: yeah, Reddit is quite the think tank, and the Muppets that run wild on on r backslash red devils, shout out to the people. Um, I don't know what Colin's username is, we got to look that up and put it in the description so we'll you can be outed it. on the Reddit. Yeah, that's yeah. true.
1: Oh yeah, just a public outing, a witch, yep. a witch yeah, trial. Yeah, yeah.
2: A Muppet witch trial.
1: Well, um, we had a lot to say, as it was the United Roundtable, so we're going to keep this pretty brisk, but um, we did a quick, um, we've talked about United through the season, but just to kind of recap what happened, it feels like it took a lot of different (laughs) turns, yeah, what happened in 50 words or less? Um, What
2: would you say you do?
1: (laughs) Oh man, it was all so long ago. I kind of break it up into three periods personally. It's the Mourinho era of the 2018-19 season which was basically the manifestation of the this is fine dog meme. <laughs> Where you start losing games, bottles get thrown, uh the taunting
2: the San Siro.
1: Oh, the the taunting of the San Siro, the respect speech, all the while the fans are that if you don't know it, the this is fine dog. In a burning room, just uh, waiting for it all it'll to pass. It'll be on
2: Instagram. Yeah, it'll be on the Instagram. And then no
1: uh, the Savior, Ollie comes back in late November, takes us through a bit of a revival. Uh, shout out uh, inaugural guest, Nigel Burton and myself, were at the Cardiff City game for his first game, mm. which was a an emotional and amazing experience. And the renaissance was pretty short-lived because we got smacked with the reality of what it takes to actually overhaul this team, so we went two wins out of the last 10 games um, ending with a sputter in a draw to Huddersfield and a loss to that same Cardiff team uh, for the last game of the season, finishing in, uh, was it fifth or sixth, Patrick? I can't remember.
2: It was, uh, it was sixth and Arsenal-esque in your final 10 games there, James.
1: And where was Arsenal? Fifth, right? Okay. Okay. Just making sure. No,
2: I meant, I meant that performance over the, Final quarter of the season was Arsenal-esque.
1: Oh yeah, Arsenal-esque. I mean, there wasn't much riding on the Cardiff game um, versus.
2: Oh, not the Cardiff game. I'm talking about all that stretch of
1: ten games where no one wanted to win. Right. Yeah, we did take a cue from Memory's playbook for sure, for sure. But uh, yeah. Without this isn't about Arsenal, James. I know. Let's move on. I know. I it's it's a defense mechanism. <laughs> but to send you guys right into the meat of the episode, to the good stuff, we uh we chatted about. The standards of what it takes to play at United, uh, transfer needs, and what it'll take us to get back to the top. Is it an 80 million uh, pound Harry Maguire? We'll leave, that, we'll leave that up to you. The debate rages on. We talked about the Pogba situation, probably our, our world-class outfield player when Sanchez is indir- injured, and then, <laughs> and then uh, we talked about the man in the hot seat, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and uh, how he... Def- Ole, I believe. Oh yeah, I mean that's a great precursor itself.
2: Experts debate.
1: Well, yeah, it's still it's really still up bad. in the air. Yeah, Norwegian descent. Um, <laughs> Patrick, before we take these fine people in, is there anything you want to you want to say?
2: Uh no, I am going to reserve comment here and just yield to what I think is Uh, A very entertaining roundtable with some very passionate fans. Could not
1: have said it better myself. I'm really excited for you guys to hear this one. Uh, By a showing, it was my favorite episode of the roundtable so far, but we still have Arsenal to look forward to, so let's wait and see.
2: (laughs) It's the hope that kills you, James.
1: Here it is, the Prem de la Prem Summer Roundtable Roadshow of Manchester United. Enjoy.
2: When it comes to money, who really knows what they're doing? Balancing and budget? Controlled spending? W-2? More like W-Who. James, tell me, are your finances in order?
1: Bitcoin, Venmo, Traveler's Checks, I just can't seem to get it all straight. And $50 doesn't get you what it used to.
2: With the Mint budgeting app, powered by Intuit, not only will all your finances and budgeting tools be kept in the same place, you'll get expert advice so you can stop pissing money away.
1: Just link up with one of Mint's exclusive technical directors. They'll tell you all about the do's and don'ts of that almighty dollar. Thinking about a Starbucks coffee instead of drip? Put that pot down, Ed. Ooh.
2: When you're on top of your money, life is good. Welcome back to our Prem de la Prem Summer Roundtable Series. Very exciting, this one, for me personally, because we get to talk about all the great things going on with Manchester United. James, how are we doing today?
1: United. Doing
2: okay, great. You're it's ready for uh, it.
1: Things could not be better.
2: Right, and so I'm excited to dig into that. We have two guests, long-awaited guests, uh, Mr. Nigel Burton, Colin Amsler. Um, no relation. No relation, uh, especially Colin. And so we are excited to have you both on. Uh, welcome, guys. Hey, glad to be here. <laughs> Me too, jolly good to be on. <laughs> jolly jolly. Uh, and so one of the things that we do love to uh, kind of get this thing going, get everybody loose, um, just kind of, you know, we've been through James's story about how he became a United fan, uh, right after, I think, uh, Ferguson's first win. But the other two of you, we don't really know. So um, give us a little context on you know what, why why you're a United fan, what makes it special to you, uh, and then we'll go ahead and
3: dive right into the, the thrills at Old Trafford. So, uh, Colin, why don't we start with you? Yeah, sure. Um, so I became a United fan uh, my junior year in high school. Um, I actually won a poster of Wayne Rooney Ooh. off of a raffle at school. Um, was it
1: signed or just a
3: poster? Uh, just a poster. Okay. Just, a poster. All right. just a nice three foot by two foot poster. <laughs> and, uh, he kind of had a What hint. an iconic moment. Oh, yeah. It was great. It was great. He kind of had a hint of red hair, too. Um, and for those who know me, I do have red hair. Uh, so I uh, attached onto that pol- poster and um, started watching United. Luckily for me, it was the uh, glory years of uh, United. Can we, least... can we get a year, like... Uh... Just to pin it down to when you started watching? Yeah, two thousand eight. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Junior Ooh. in high school, two thousand eight. Great year. Good year. Yeah. Good vintage. <laughs> Great year. Uh, and then it's just kind of just been a slow downhill fall from from there. A little brief uh, little rock. Oh, well, you you kind of held a little bit through twenty twelve. Yeah, twenty twelve yeah, into thirteen, and then it's, uh, well, that's all she wrote for there. So yeah,
2: wonderful. All right, thrilled to have you on. And uh, and Nigel, how about yourself? Oh, I
0: um, started supporting Manchester United way back when uh, when I was on. Uh, a little uh, seven-year-old lad and uh, uh, watching the 1966 uh, World Cup, which, you know, uh, is good for uh, those who want to calculate uh, uh, the uh, age. Some but, say uh, it's still coming <laughs> home. Yeah, 1966, <laughs> the last time England, uh, yeah, brought the World Cup uh, home. Um, and in the 1966 World Cup, I didn't choose as uh, somebody I wanted to follow um the hat-trick hero, who was Jeff Hurst, or the captain hero, who was Bobby Moore, I instead chose the dour defensive midfielder who uh, carried us through the World Cup. A guy called Nobby Styles, not even Bobby Chop, and Nobby Styles happened to play for Manchester United. He was their defensive midfielder. And as we get into this uh, discussion about what's needed for the new season
1: ahead, <laughs> I think a new Nobby Styles is required, <laughs> or even, or even the same. On, yeah, on name. Alone. Or maybe Nobby himself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> even though at the moment
0: he's uh rapidly getting close to his 80s, but he might be slightly better than Fred. But yeah. <laughs> let's uh let's say that's when it started. So um that was way back when, and I followed them through the glory years of the sixties with George Best, Bobby Charlton, Lobby Styles, uh, and their manager, Sir Matt Busby at the time.
1: Mm-hmm. Through then the first uh, European
0: Cup. Yeah, first European Cup, first English team to win a European Cup, a couple of titles, Premiership titles, and then uh, uh, when Sir Matt Bowsby retired, went through, uh, what, 15 years of uh, greyness and, uh, and uh, doom and despair until the great Sir Alex Ferguson arrived, and um, hopefully we're not in for another 15 years, but uh, history is repeating itself after he's retired, but that's, that's my history.
1: We're already through five. Mm, totally
0: yeah,
2: fine.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. So time's marched on. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that that
2: is a, a good segue. I first want to before we get into what I believe to be the best part of Manchester United. I would like for y'all to take a little moment to celebrate amongst yourselves. David Moy's contract has expired. Yes. We are free and clear. All right. That's true. Free- we can focus on the, the present. Yeah. Um, Freeze up some money for Alexis. <laughs> right. And So I think um, we'll, we'll dive right Fellaini? in. Is, is Fellaini's
0: contract finished as well?
2: I do not know that. I the do David not know Elias,
0: that. Uh, Fellini Everton uh, wonder signings?
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> who's who's <just> the <laughs> Phil Jones, Jones got Marino's extended. I word. know that. Um, <laughs> no, but but um, I think it's it's where we're at right now with United. You you all mentioned what drew you to United. Glory glory man United. <laughs> posters. Yeah, posters, <laughs> glory glory man United. This the franchise that was I mean I think that they've they still hold the high water mark in the Premier League. Uh, there are other teams that are setting a different different level, but the the length of which Ferguson's United ran the table I think makes them the best the best team in Premier League history. Fast forward present day, there's a lot of issues and I want to start off first with saying what are the biggest issues? Is it multidimensional? How much of an impact is it players, coaches, the board, Woodward. What are the biggest problems? What needs to be addressed first for United to rec- recover yeah. those glory years, or even begin to start thinking yeah. about
1: it? Maybe to make it a pointed question for uh, for I don't know whether to say Dad or Nigel. I'm gonna go with Nigel. Be <laughs> just professional. Say dad, I
3: feel like to be funnier. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> I'll call you Dad. Let's let's just say the caller. Well, <laughs> yeah. Patrick's gonna call you Dad. <laughs> um, Why don't you try Sir
0: Nigel?
1: Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll see how that one goes. Um, yeah. What would you? What would you to piggyback on that? What would you identify as the biggest problem?
0: And then um, we can get into
1: the sure, secondaries yeah. and tertiaries.
0: You, you mean other than thread? So something that really is a, a problem. Um, <laughs> uh, so I think that in sort of the simplistic answer is um, no good uh signings that have added quality or um, you know uh, quality or the right uh, uh, positional impetus to the to the to the team and uh, that's kind of like how it, we see it uh, in terms of what's on the pitch but I think probably the bigger problem uh, that then leads to those bad signings is there is a, a, a lack of, of leadership and direction at at the club as a whole um, Because there's no philosophy behind who those players are, why they're there, what they're supposed to do. So, um, at the moment, I see the club as uh, like uh, more like a club that's doing like panini stickers. You know, buying uh, people like uh, Sanchez to, to to put into the album because they look like they should be good players, but there's no real philosophy about why they're the right player for Manchester United. So I think it's. A lack of direction may be driven by a lack of velocity, but uh, seen by us when we watch the game, it's 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 just a lack of quality
2: signings, the right signings on the pitch. I Think it's a great point, Colin. Yeah. Do you care to have a what, what's the biggest problem with United here?
3: Yeah, I would I would have to agree with Mister Sir Nigel. Um, <laughs> I think it's mainly a direction. Two titles, <laughs> two titles. Sorry, it's and it's going to evolve. All these there's going to be more titles by the end of this podcasts but um it it i i absolutely agree i do think it's all about the direction uh both within the um executives and then also what's on the field um there's just no united just don't have that brand anymore like you know they're not getting the players that suit that brand they're not getting the coaches that suit that brand and i think a lot of teams right now especially for like Ajax, you know they have that brand where they have a style of play You know, they bring their young guys in that fit that style of play. And then whether than that they want to leave or not, they still have that style of of play. And uh, United, they just, they don't. I mean, we've had, what, we've had four coaches so far since the retire of Sir Alex Ferguson. And each coach has had a wildly different brand. And we still have players from each of those coaches. So it just, it just, nothing fixed. It's just a smorgasbord of just nonsense.
2: I think that's a great segue because with, Four coaches in what is it? Six years. Um, so yeah, this will be our seventh. Twenty thirteen retired, going into the 2013-14 twenty thirteen fourteen. Okay, season. so six seasons, four coaches. Um, you know, how do you even if you do have direction within each one of those, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, leaderships? Each one of those coaches has directions, the style of play. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that they have. I think Mourinho certainly did, Van Hall certainly mm-hmm. did. But then you try to blend them all together. Yeah, united mm-hmm. as a club loses that consistency, that identity, that I think made them so attractive to so many people back when yeah. and you know, that style of play. And you saw glimpses of it with with uh when, when, when Olay first took over. And you know, that was I think everybody kinda got that old United feeling. Mm-hmm. And obviously got the extension. And I think this is a good segue into talking about Olay. How much do you guys want to commit to Olay as your next coach? Because I think the consistency has certainly been a problem long term, but then you also have to hedge that versus is he the right guy or is he not the right guy? Mm. Mm-hmm. So how yes how, how much what type of style what I get maybe what type of players will fit in Ole's style assuming Ole's style is Ferguson two So have we? Um,
0: uh, I may not have been keeping up with the BBC uh, gossip, but we've got a new a new manager Ole. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>, Spanish.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Spanish. Ole <bullfighter> has arrived, <laughs> Mister Mister OGS. El Matador, yes. they call
0: him. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah, I think. Uh, the is amongst us, Patrick, go with
2: Ollie. Okay. Ollie. Yeah. If, if I don't or, mispronounce or, somebody's or, or name OGS. in a podcast, it's not a real episode of Prem de la Prem, so we're, oh, okay. we're covered okay. there. Yeah, we're already on board for our quota. Um, yeah.
1: can, can I offer a precursor there, just to transition fully into Mr. Ole? Um, I think the what, what Nigel and Colin both touched on was... Um, a lack of consistent philosophy and Mm -hmm. just filling players who are objectively good players. You know, I think it would be unfair to say Sanchez is not or was never a good player. I don't think anyone's arguing that. I think um, what we've seen in the recent decade or two decades in football in general is um, the rise of the technical director. And the reason that position came about is because... um, Coaching roles and tenures of coaches were so tumultuous Mm. that you needed the through line between executives and coaches So that was a luxury we didn't need when we had David Gill and Sir Alex because they knew they were staying for the long run Neither of them were gonna get displaced and they were on board with the same philosophy When Sir Alex left, we did not implement a technical director So now I think Colin you made this point pretty well. We have players from four different managers with four different philosophies on the same team now right. and it makes the trouble to bring it all the way to um to all a uh is how do you how do you bridge a mentality for players who are not brought into the same system and I, I i i'll pitch it over to you guys to to maybe that being the first of many challenges he has to address and what will be a barometer of his success this season um
0: yeah, so uh, I think there are two sort of uh, uh, two people need to bring uh, philosophies, <laughs> uh, but uh, they're slightly different. One is, as you said, James, like the, the role of the technical director in liaison with the managing director. But I do believe the coach will come, therefore, to uh, Olly or Olay in uh, in, 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 <laughs> a, in a minute. But I think the coach, just like Ferguson. Uh, the good coaches these days also have their philosophy. So if you think about, let's say, Man City, uh, Guardiola has a definitive philosophy about how he he wants to play football. It's nothing to do with Manchester City. It's the same he had at Bayern, the same he had at Barcelona. Mm -hmm. And then the technical director, who he knows and I think uh, sort of prefaced Guardiola... They were a package
1: deal, yeah. Because his
0: name is... Chichin, something like that. So maybe Kate Patrick, you could help us man. with the pronunciation of the Man City. Yeah, Patrick. <laughs> no, you, you guys nailed it. No need for me to get involved here. <laughs> anyway, he's, I think he's from Catalan himself, so he's linked with Pep Guardiola over right. the years. And he then takes that uh, sort of philosophy of the pitch onto, okay, he's who we need to go and look out yes. for and relays that to the manager director and says, you know... Um, we need, I don't know, let's just hypothetically say uh, we need uh, John Stones, but we don't need Chris Smalling. You know, so um, not that that was ever a contest. So um, <laughs> the problem, I think, is when we talk about philosophy is two things. Ferguson had a, a philosophy about how Manchester United would play on the pitch. He also happened to have the strength, and as you mentioned, James, the relationship with the managed director to say, this is also the players we need, you know, right. that are either from the academy, you know, over a period of five or ten years, or from marquee signings. Um, so the challenge now for Manchester United is, on the one hand, they don't have, I don't think they have the philosophy about what they want to do on the pitch. And I don't know if we want to get into the full conversation right now uh, but that's my big question mark there I think saying I want to play as he did for the last you know when he arrived for the last 15 20 games of the season I want to play the Manchester United way is well, what is the what it what mm-hmm. is the Manchester United way I don't know what he means by that uh, I mean we know in our heart what that is but what does that mean in terms of modern football not you know from the 1960s or from even the Ferguson era, what what is that? It's clearly not. Mm-hmm.
1: You don't think you don't think you could articulate it, or he has articulated it.
0: I don't think he's articulated. What he has said is, we're not going to be outrun by another team. Right. So okay, so we're going to run the most on the pitch. That's okay. That's one dimension. But what are the others? Is what's the what's the formation? What's the what's the equivalent of? Uh, like so, you could you could say what Guardiola's philosophy is in terms of, um, of uh, p- uh, pressing uh, pressing and possession. Uh, you could dig, uh, you could uh, give the Klopp philosophy. You know what that is the Liverpool. You could, but I don't know when he says we're going to play the Manchester United way. Uh, does he mean four four two? Because that's what I think the, the Man United way was. <laughs> but does, is that what he really means? Right. Uh, uh, yeah. Which I think you'd be cut apart in today's uh, football if you put out a four-four-two formation. I think so. A... I don't think we have. Sorry to uh, just Go to ahead. finish the thought. The problem is two philosophies, if you're not, uh, or two people's philosophies. The one on the pitch, and then that translated to the technical director, which doesn't exist, or even to Edward Woodward, who, you know, has uh, no idea about what he's supposed to be trying to do or how to do
1: it. <laughs> What a glowing recommendation!
2: <laughs> yeah, you no, know, I think that's a it's a it's a really big question to ask of Ollie. Am I saying that right now? Oli. 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 Yeah. Oli. Because um, when I when I heard him say that, I I you know, I said, oh great, old United's back, and I got to be scared of them again. You know, they're going to run me down. Doesn't matter how much we're winning by, they're going to come out and they're going to put the pressure on the second half. They're going to you know they're going to assert themselves at all times. When I think of United and I get the scaries, I think of that. I think of a team who no matter. No matter the situation, was the favorite at all times. That's the that's the United way. But then you peel that peel the onion back one layer. There's no substance to that quote, like you mentioned, if you don't really have a philosophy back in that. And and so were you was United hooked on a feeling? And Colin, I'll go to, here to you. Was United hooked on a feeling in terms of going back to the well, the Ferguson well, and just trying to establish some nostalgia without really establishing a true philosophy. Was Olay the right man? For the job, I think on the interim basis, yes. I think the question remains about the long term.
3: Yeah, that's true. I mean, it did. It definitely did feel better um, that first eight games that he had. Oh yeah, the the unbeaten streak. I was, that was scared. Going to be honest on. with you, I was yeah. a little scared. I mean, I was scared. and I'm <laughs> a United fan. It felt great. Um, I think. I think the problem. I mean, at least that I see is the. Uh, it's the one-two punch from uh, Sir Alex Ferguson retiring and then David Gill also retiring. So not only did we lose our sense of direction, but we definitely lost that united way. And I also believe that there was always going to be a hangover period after Alexson. Um, And I just, I think every time that we fire a coach, get a new coach, we just keep resetting that timer that we need, especially since we don't have that sense of direction. I mean, we can do that if we know which way, which team we're going to have, but we don't. So every time we do that, we're finding a new way. Yeah. Um, I do, I do like what Solskjaer is doing right now. Um, it's just way too early to kind of figure out what's going on. Um, like I said before, I mean he's just got a mishmash of players right now um, that he's trying to figure things out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I just think it's going to take time, and that's I... not what people want to hear. So he'll be given that leash. Can I, uh, can I
1: ask this question? Yeah. yeah. We've seen two great examples of patience uh, recently pay dividends in the in the top six clubs. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't go to Guardiola because I think he, you know, had a season to get settled in and then started dominating. I think patience in the sense of what Klopp's done at Liverpool, Pochettino's leash at Tottenham. United obviously need to exert patience with their manager. However, a lot of people already kind of know deep down Ole is not that person. So how are you guys defining patience this season? Do you have patience? What is that leash for
2: for Ole? And let's be clear, this is a football problem. This isn't a United problem. Patience with managers. You know, the era of player player yeah. power, immediate expectations, not being able. To, this it, it happens across football, but with United's ambitions, I think yeah, it's yeah. going to be a tough thing to overcome.
3: Uh, I think, I think um, the problem with the patience is that I don't think a lot of player or not players. I'm sorry, uh, a lot of fans right now. I think they believe that since there's a revolving door of coaches, that success can be brought on with bringing a new manager immediately because that happens all the time um and since united aren't used or at least this wave of united generational fans such as myself aren't used to being in such a vulnerable position and not being in the top one two three and four uh every single season is that when we don't have success people just start freaking out Mm -hmm. and they just they essentially don't know how to lose um and you know i've i have my fair share of teams that you know don't do very well um in different sports as well so like I I I understand it's like okay you know this wasn't a good year we'll build off of it we'll go next year but if it seems like United fans now there is no there there is no patience like it's just we need to get rid of him and we need to get you know Mourinho in okay Mourinho didn't do well we need to get rid of him And it goes back to what I just said, is that every time that you hit that restart button, like, everything gets restarted. I think
1: Mourinho—sorry, Dad, I want to go to you in a second. I think Mourinho was the perfect example of when you brought him on, it was, okay, immediate success. Mourinho has been successful everywhere, at least for one season, and then it all goes—it all falls apart. Um, When United, that second Mourinho season, which is always his most successful one, when you rack up 81 points, which would have won you the title the season Leicester did— Mourinho finishes second. Uh, City blows them away with the most points in Premier League history. You realize, okay, you're not going to get the immediate success yeah. for Mourinho. What, lo- what now? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, Dad, I want to I want to go to you just on your thoughts yeah, real quick. Um.
0: Yeah. Um. I, I think the sort of the, the question is is what level of patience with. Uh, Ollie, right? And, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, not much, I think, is the answer, right? Because um, in in modern sport, let alone modern soccer, let alone the EPL, it's nobody nobody is going to wait five or ten years, which is what a true like were building from the ground up it would take. Yeah. Um, and I don't think the fans do, even though fans would say, "Oh, uh, you know." And, you might say, "Oh, we'd love to see something survive five or ten years." And he himself, I think, Ollie would have the, the he, he would have the fans' patience forever. He himself, as a as a character,
1: there will never be uh, Ollie out banners. No, there will
0: ne- it won't yeah. be done that way. But the results, the the fans, and I'm including myself in this. So it's not like I'm talking <laughs> about a mob on the Stretford End that <laughs> come out with I'm I'm I. I'd be, I'm including myself as part of the mod there will be no patience for the bad results so uh-huh. uh, it's just um, you know the, the the ability to wait for a club like this to to wait another three or five years to be in contention but, for the title is can I not
1: realistic can I probe that a little bit? I think there's a difference there's two ends of the spectrum to patience and you mentioned the five to ten years but I'm talking about what about halfway through the season? What about a full season? No. I think to a certain extent we're just going to drive ourselves crazy if we don't sit with something. And I think the problem is inherently with Ollie because a lot of people know he doesn't have the credentials to establish that, um, that level of patience. So,
0: so quantifiably I think the patience runs out when Champions League football is not a realistic proposition for the season ahead. Mm-hmm. So... As a fan, I would say I'll have patience if we're not, let's say, December or January, that we're not in the title race, which, by the way, I fully expect us not to be.
1: Yeah,
2: okay, I'm glad that was yeah. established. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think uh, at, at most there will be
0: three teams that are in the title Right, way. so uh, that's not when my patience would end, or when I think fans, let's do this as the third person, when the fans' <laughs> patience will run out, because that's, you know, that, that would be a, a, a big expectation. Um, it would be. It will run out, same as it always has in the past, you know, when it did with Moyes, when it did with uh, Van Gaal, when it did with uh, Mourinho, when Champions League football is not on the horizon. And uh, there will be a switch,
2: Yeah. or well, there should be a switch. Yeah, so, I, uh, I, I definitely agree with that. And I think that um, when you really break it down, I kind of think that what what a United fan, and correct me if I'm wrong, that's why y'all are here, really wants to see the season as progress, some sort of progress. Yeah. Um, that can be defined in many different ways. And I'm going to ask you all to define it. What like, what level of progress would you like to see? And I think that James might be able to, to peel this back a little bit deeper in terms of, we, we talked about Ollie. Um, we can kind of wrap that discussion up, I think. But yeah. uh, then you talk about the characters in the team. Pogba yeah. is obviously the most divisive at this point. And then you have um, you know some other players who, who might be time for them to go. Is that progress? Is bringing in new players' progress? Is seeing Scott McTominay play... 38 games in the Premier League progress. How do you define progress? So, I think that's a great question. This and year. I think
1: this will take us from, you know, what we're seeing in the technical box and Ollie to the players. And I think my exact reaction to what is the expectation, what is progress, I can very clearly pin it down myself. Top three next season are going to be City, Liverpool, Spurs. Arsenal, Chelsea, and United will fight for that 4th place. United needs to win that 4th place and you need to see these young players and let's not let off the hook Martial, Rashford. We need to see potential realized. I think those are my two-fold goals
2: for next season and so, Colin So Champions League football. 4th fourth,
1: fourth place, seeing progress in players. I'll call league. that I'll yeah. call it a okay. s- successful season. I think thinking we finish um in that top 3 is delusional.
2: And I will say I don't think that is delusional. I don't necessarily think that any of Chelsea, Arsenal, or United are what I would call Champions League sides right now, but one of them's probably going to get it. So it's kind All of right. like, who, who's going to rise to the yeah, top? Yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not subscribing
1: barrel, to six. Wolves or anyone breaking
2: top six yet. Top six, yes, top four, I agree with you. I think they could break into the top Sorry, six. Sorry, yeah, top four. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was about to say, I
3: was like, I, I'm going to have to disagree with you because right now, since the top six is now the new top four, at least in the Premier League, uh, we gotta watch out for teams like you know Leicester and the Wolves and all that kind of stuff because I mean they could have a they could build off their success from last season and then have a breakout season. Right. And if you know United is still playing with their toes and Chelsea is still in shambles and Arsenal doing Arsenal things, I mean that could that's your one call. That could. All right, that was my one. That was <laughs> one, my one. One more, you get a mute. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, it, it could it could easily it could easily become you know a top. Top seven, top eight race, and you know it could it could change it could change a lot. Um, and then you're talking about European football, not just Champions League football. Yeah, that's true. So I mean, my I would I would have to agree with James. I would say you know it, the standard for next season would be top four. Uh, I would like to see players progress. Um, it just which players? I, it's just hard to I say right now because depending if like Lukaku and Pogba leave, um, it's just kind of it's just gonna. St- I have to have my reservations t- to see who's going to be starting, Who's going, how we're going to line up, right. and all that kind of stuff. But I definitely <laughs> right. I can't say I would like to see Pogba progress because he could be gone after next year or this year. I don't know. But, yes, I would like to see Rashford, Martial, since they just got those shiny new contracts. Um, and then even some of the young players, like Mason Greenwood. You know, All I hear is great things about him. So if he gets chances on the field, I would love to see what he's, he's got to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just seeing Oli... Um, grow as a coach as well. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, this is his big stage, so we'll see sure. what he does. We'll see and how I think reacts. growth in the players and the results will go hand-in-hand hand with
1: all, uh, yeah. like, all these players. Yeah, of course. So, I, Dad, I think we got your answer a little bit earlier on expectations for this season. And coming up to the 30-minute mark, I do want to bring it fully into the fold of the players and ask you guys. Um, I saw a really great post on Instagram that looked at United squad that they flew out to Australia, and it said... Take Pogba out of this team, and you're looking at a very average squad. Absolutely. Take Pogba out of this team. There are no world-class players in the outfield, barring De Gea. So I want to ask you guys, we'll get on the full team, but let's talk about the Pogba situation. Let's say you are um, determining your stance. You're the Ed Woodward. Are you selling him? Are you keeping him? What are you telling him behind closed doors?
0: Well, I think for, for – uh... Club like Man United, the way I feel about Pogba is that um, uh, two things. First of all, if you've got the aspirations to, you know, get back to being a title-winning team, players like Podber need to be in your squad because you've got to say, if he were to go, you know, you would need somebody like him and, and maybe a couple more to be in your in uh, in, in your team. Yeah. So, um, uh, for reason number one, that needs to be resolved. Like he needs to be in the team and fully, fully functioning. The second thing is again, if you're a club like Manchester United, you don't want to get yourself into the position that even though you've slipped in the table, that you're also slipping in the sense of being a, a club that marquee players will come to and then more importantly stay with. And this mm-hmm. idea that Real Madrid will even Ventos could, you know, be appealing or strong enough financially to take Popper away. I think is is a is a bad sign. So, I, I think it's a, a mark of um, kind of a it should be a mark of uh, where the club sees itself being able to get to uh, by resolving the Popper issue. And and in my mind, uh, I, and I don't know if he's destructive behind the scenes or not. I really don't know that. Uh, but. To me, you would want, I would say as a fan, I would want him to stay and be fully functioning because the, 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 the consequence of him going is, well, okay, well, which two or three world-class players come back in, because there's no doubt he is a world-class player, and secondly, what does it say about the club that our signings are, you know, a, a, a winger from Swansea and a Crystal Palace fullback, and meanwhile, a French World Cup winner goes. I mean, that's not who we are, so... That that's my take on the Pogba thing. Uh, Sanchez, I have a very different take on, but Pogba, that's uh, that's my take <laughs> on him.
2: I think everyone's pretty aligned on their Sanchez takes at this point. But, um, okay, that's good. Yeah, you know, Arsenal fans. Yeah, yeah. Well, also, but can Terrian I just say was on the Pogba, player, my mind? Uh,
0: the, the only other thing I'd say on uh, uh, Pogba in terms of a good season or a, you know a, a good couple of seasons, is um, when Mourinho left. And uh, Oli came in. If you actually analyze those first, uh, I don't know, let's say the first 15 games that were like wins, and then the next 10 that were pathetic and took us out of the top four, Pogba participated in the first 15 and was pretty much the, the contributor to those yeah. victories. Yeah. And then in the final 10 was nowhere. So... He really holds the fate of what that team looks totally. like, the season in his hands.
2: Yeah, and I, if I can inject my opinion, just one. I'll try and be quick with this. Yeah, can you speed it up? I entirely <laughs> agree. I think that Manchester United is a club that needs to have four or five Pogbas. That's how. That's. I mean, that, that's the vision of Manchester United that I've always had. And you know, you have De Gea, and then you, you had Maddich at the time, and you had Lukaku. You're like, okay, maybe this is like, these guys will all grow. Fine. Yeah. no. Uh, but I think that Pogba is a player who, you know, you see him on the French side when he's surrounded by world-class players. He shines. You know, he's not just another player on that squad. He runs that team. He bosses that midfield. He, he looks like the best player or one of the best players in the world when he plays on that French side. And the United side, he can. But other times, he just looks like he doesn't even want to be there. Plays balls straight yeah. out of bounds for yeah. no reason. And so... I, I think that it's 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 a there's a it's a crossroads. It's do we rebuild our identity with people who one hundred percent want to be here? And I like how
1: you're saying we have
2: we have we flipped hey, you. There go. You you, you, pause. Pause. Oh. I say, do you say we put you we in, French um, we yes we yes. <laughs> in any case, do we re, do you rebuild? Get Bo- Pogba out of there and say, hey, this is a five-year process. Give mm-hmm. Ole the keys. Let them take your time. Set that expectation. Or I'm spend eighty million dollars. I said I, I said I
1: wouldn't inject takes. I want to get Colin into this. I think for anyone who says good, get rid of Pogba. We don't need him. We don't want that kind of mentality in here. Is a stubborn United fan stuck in their old ways who assume things are just going to come to us because we are Man United, and that kind of thinking is just going to you run out of time on just that one. catapult us further yeah. down the table. I think you need to get him on side. And this, I'm gonna say it. I. I don't want this to turn into a larger Raheem Sterling racism discussion, but I do think the way Pogba's being treated compared to the other things you're seeing, Neymar not traveling with his team, Koscielny, the captain of Arsenal, not traveling with his team, Pogba said one thing that came out of his mouth, I'm not talking about Rayola, he said one thing when he was in China that was, maybe it's time for a new challenge. I think that is a slap on the wrist, yeah, you shouldn't be saying that stuff, other than that. He flew. He flew with the team out yeah. to Australia. You see him high-fiving and, and acting around with the players and taking part in the training. And th- I th- I think my point is, I don't know if race is a part of it. We don't need to talk about race on Prem or La Prem, But... I think there is some scapegoating there that really just doesn't sit well with me when you compare it to what other players are doing, like the Lingard-Pogba fight. I don't know if you heard about that. I have not. Um, the media took this clip of Pogba and Lingard fighting, and then you see the full clip and they're just messing around. And there's just such a... I don't know where it's coming from, but the well, the media's just... Yeah.
2: I know it's their job, but yeah. this
1: narrative that they're spinning just really doesn't sit well with me.
2: It's exists. Set the record straight. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yeah. Come at it from an objective so, point of view. Yeah, but, yeah, it's a good point. Colin, I want to bring, bring. Hazard you in. did the same thing for years, and everyone's like, "Oh no, he might leave." Yeah. And now Pogba's doing it for once, and yeah,
3: you know, yeah, I, I know it. It just doesn't sit well with me. Yeah, I, I would, I would have to say, I mean, I, I can, I'm kind, I'm kind of like playing on both sides of the Pogba train right now. Um, I mean, I could totally see it from Pogba's perspective because, I mean, you got to imagine coming back to Manchester from Juventus. You have, you know, you got. The um, you got Manchester calling. You have a new coach, Jose Mourinho Mourinho coming in. You got Zlatan Ibrahimovic coming over. So you have this. You have this idea that at least for the next two years, like this team is gonna be. It's gonna be. It's gonna be pretty badass. That was a team
1: built to win the title. That was a
3: team built to win the title. And uh, after that first, or you know, halfway through that first year, there's some learning pains, but like it's looking good. It's looking really good. And then Zlatan blows his knee out. And after that happened, I I think that was just the ticking time bomb of Mourinho's downfall. And once that happens, I mean, Pogba loses his friend, his mentor, um, Zlatan gets shipped out, you know, eight, ten months later down here to Los Angeles, Um, and then it's just him. And he's, what, 24, maybe 25 at the time. Uh, Him and Mourinho are starting to sour, sour, uh, Mourinho and Manchester United are starting to sour, so then you know, that starts spinning in its own direction. So that kind of falls off a cliff. So now you kind of got this bad taste in your mouth. And now you have a new, new head coach coming in. And then as Pogba, after two, two years, right? Two, three years. Yeah. After this third year, you kind of start thinking like, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. After this third year, you kind of start thinking, if you're Pogba, you're like, do I want to sit around for this crazy carousel because there's no direction going on? Or should I go somewhere that's already established? And, you know, you start thinking that, you start putting that in your head, you start seeing, like, you know, Juventus would take me back in a heartbeat, mm-hmm. or, you know, go play at Real Madrid. That's cool. Because they actually know what they're doing. Right. Or he, do I stick around for another. He you doesn't
1: know, want to be the best player and leader of a team, like you mentioned how he is when he plays with France. He wants to be a world class player in a world class team. Right. Yeah. Which I don't think is unfair.
3: No. No, no. I mean, not at all. He wants to be surrounded by peers. Yeah. I mean,. I mean, in our Santa Monica league, like I would love to be surrounded by world class amateurs, but all I have is James. So <laughs> I'll, co- make soon, I'll make <laughs> yeah, my yeah, return I'm, soon, Colin. Yeah, I'm just waiting for Pat. Waiting for Pat. So but, to,
2: to to keep this train rolling, because I think we're on a really good good topic here. Sounds like you are all in agreement that you would your your preferred route is get Pogba back in the good graces. If he's not, he he may very well be, and then there's the media spin on it. But get him back in the good graces and surround him with talent, or build around this. And now, as you mentioned it earlier, the lack of uh, you know d- d- signings with sort of a purpose, the lack of that talent being around him. So I think this is a twofold question. You need to bring the talent in around him. You need to elevate the level of the players around him and other you know other United players. Juan Basaka, I think, is a, was a good signing for you guys. It if, if, if fit a need. It's not overly splashy, but he's young. He can be there for quite some time. He's English. It works on a lot of different levels, and, and, and I write him as well. So the two-fold question is, who are the outside players you need to sign, or the types of outside players, Nobby Styles, or those players on the team now that need to be elevated? So it's a two-fold question. Who do you need to see be elevated in, in, in this upcoming season? And Nigel, I want to start with you. And with the transfer transfer window still being open, who's out there that needs to be needs to be grabbed?
0: Yeah, so two, two uh, to meet at least two uh, major signings. Um, so I say at least. So uh, given that none have yet been made, this is a minimum in, target. That's gonna in be the next to couple meet. of weeks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. One is a central defender. I think uh, it seems that you know, uh, based on you know what we all read, that McGuire is the one they're pinning their hopes on. Uh, for me, Delict would be the preference, but
2: I I think he's presumably... We've been down
1: that road. Yeah, Yeah, right.
2: I
3: still think he's signing. (laughs) It's just going to come out of left field. I would also
2: like to say, for the record, Colin predicted the PSG away win before the game. Sure with the team of the youth squad, so oh goodness. don't predictions... understand the relevance. Yeah. But... <laughs> well, I'm just saying his ridiculous predictions have come through before. Ah. so all right, he might know something we don't.
0: Right. Do you so, like
3: throwing deep? So Coming from outfield.
0: we count on then. As <laughs> then, this is um, going to go great. And then the the other uh, thing is a defensive central midfielder, and I say that with the. Uh, expectation or the sort of understanding that Pogba's role is essentially an advanced midfielder. Mm. So you need the the defensive or central midfielder. Uh, I really don't know what Fred is supposed to be or supposed <laughs> to become, but I'm assuming <laughs> it's not him. <laughs> I'm putting Fred into the class of Jemba Jemba. Uh, the and, player's so nice they named him twice yes. <laughs> so uh i'm not counting on uh fred he's in the anderson and uh, Jemba Jemba mold uh, and will be very enthusiastic great a great guy to have as a substitute but that's fred uh so we need that player um uh, they keep talking about savage who i think uh uh Place for um, Lazio. Savage. Sorry, Savage. The Inter Milan. Uh, I think it's Inter Milan. Uh, Are you talking
1: about uh, S- Milli? Savage or whatever. Yes, that one.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. For Lazio. Yeah. Lazio.
0: Sorry, uh, I'm not not keeping up with my, my Syria our uh, um, coverage. So uh, someone, someone like uh, that, uh, the Michael Carrick role basically. I think is uh, the last player who filled that type of uh, mm. role. Um, and those at minimum are the, are the two things we need and that to your earlier point Jane that assumes Marshall and uh, well Rashford but certainly Marshall shows up for a full season uh, yep. and that therefore uh, up front we don't need anybody and I think that's a that's a pretty big um, that's a pretty big ask based on how Marshall uh, uh, carries himself
1: and then quick follow-up uh, Lukaku leaves and we don't bring anyone in. What, no, uh, what do you... I, I, my
0: preference is Lukaku stays. I think okay. he's a brilliant uh, alternative centre forward. Uh, again, assuming you've got Rashford, uh, and even maybe Martial, I don't see anything wrong with Lukaku. Uh, he's young. Uh, he scores goals. He actually had, you know, a reasonable goal scoring year. He just doesn't fit what the the kind of the first eleven or the, sorry the. The, the style, I think that uh, Ole's trying to uh, to, yeah. to play, and but I don't see any problem with him as a, you know, a, a bulldozer centre forward. So, my, I, I, you know, unless he gets replaced, I certainly wouldn't sell him. Yeah. Again, back, it to the, be- back to the back to the thing. I don't think a club like Manchester United should be thinking about like getting rid of Lukaku and then buying you know, a, a, a centre forward from a. You know uh, championship side or something
1: that's that's ridiculous (laughs) am i the only one excited about daniel james
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i I think that yeah lukaku could could just bulldoze his way into the europa quarters for you all by himself and wow and take care of the bottom of the table for you no problem (laughs) so i i yeah i agree i think he's a great guy to keep around but no con who who do we need to bring in do you do you do you agree with Nigel, are there, are there players that you think that United could step Ooh. into those roles instead of? Yeah, let me let me take something Dad yeah,
1: uh, said or didn't say and pose that in the question to you. Yeah, the two players I've seen us seriously linked with Maguire in the back, who you already mentioned wouldn't be your first choice to a delict, which I don't think is going to happen. Uh, and then you mentioned central defender, not Bruno Fernandez, who is the other player I've seen us seriously linked with, who is an attacking midfielder. I don't, and I think Savage might be relatively new. So is Br- Bruno Fernandez from Sporting.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that, that guy is great. Right. But Whoever to gets him is going to be so,
1: so to Dad's point, that is a attacking midfielder, not a central defensive midfielder. I'm wondering if you agree with the assessment of the players we need.
3: Yeah. Uh, so I'm not really playing devil's advocate very much, especially when Nigel goes first. He kind of hits everything that I've been thinking. Red which, devil's advocate. Which, yeah. Great, <laughs> great minds think alike. Um, but I... Like I said, I would have to agree with Nigel. I do think uh, a center back is 100% needed before this is closed or us. We're going to be in some serious trouble. Um, I do think the center defensive mid we would need. I don't see it as like the number one priority. Uh, for me, I think we need to get some creativity going down that right flank because God forbid we have anything going on for the last six years. I mean, we don't even have a right winger. Uh, the right midfielder, we, we don't have any right midfield creativity. Everything goes through Pogba, who plays on the left. Um, so I think I think if we can find another creative midfielder that can play on the right of Pogba, so we can kind of start working down that side and stop being so one-dimensional going down the left side, I think it will really kind of open up the field of play. But we haven't been really linked with anyone on the right side at all, so I think it's just going to be another... Of the season going down the left again, so. But yeah, I would I would say center back, and then another center midfielder that we can help open right. up the field. Well,
1: I think youth youth product Jesse Lingard is about to have his breakthrough
2: year. Oh yeah, twenty seven year old Jesse Lingard, <laughs> twenty seven
3: years still young. rated as a youth product. Um,
2: but um, but yeah, no, I think I think these are these are all good points. I guess the only questions I would ask is those those positions that you were talking about. Um, where does where does Lindelof fit into this picture? Is he first team quality and Scott McTominay is somebody I personally rate. Does he find a way into the first team? I mean, obviously, I think they do if you don't make signings, but are they are they people you guys are comfortable with
3: being in the first team? Yeah, I mean, I, I love Lindelof, if that's who you're saying, right? Lindelof, yeah, not yeah. Lingard? Okay, yeah, yeah I love Lindelof. I love, I love his story, his Manchester United story. You know, he comes in, no one really knows about him. Uh, he starts playing, uh, doesn't play very good because he's getting used to the Premier League uh so everyone doesn't rate him and then he has his breakthrough season and now he's great. Um yeah. I'd I like a that. partner for him. Yeah, okay. I, I would love a partner for him. Um so so yeah, I think I think he he's definitely gonna be the shining spot of the season. And I think if he keeps it up, you know, maybe maybe some camp- captaincy later. Um I do uh, love okay. McTominay as well, you know, young boy coming through, you know, mm-hmm. starting to put his stamp on. I don't know I don't know how they're going to use him. I don't know if they want to use him as a as a center defensive midfielder. I don't know if they want him on the other side of Pagua. No. Uh, I just don't even know how we're going to line up. So gotcha. I would love to. I would. Lo- I love youth products, but it just it all kind of sees if they fit in the mold. So I think or, with a uh,
0: back five, if you put in uh, start with De Gea, of Shaw, Wampasaka Lindelof, and Maguire or DeLict or whoever it might be would be one of the best uh, defensive units in in the premiership. So uh, I think Lindelof uh, leaving aside the others I mentioned to, to, but directly to your question about Lindelof I think he's a class act. I think he's uh, he just had a bad start to the uh, to the to the season like a lot of players do come into the premiership. But I thought he was pretty classy last season and I think alongside a more reliable central uh, defender partner, uh, aka not Phil Jones. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or um, Marcus Rojo for that matter. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> yeah, we forgotten all about Yeah. Right. Uh, Marcus, uh, one tackle away from Red Card Rojo. Um, <laughs> so just a clever last name. Yeah. So no, Lindelhoff's a, a class act, and put so put that back five unit uh, together. I think that that's one of the best in, in would be one of the best in the Premiership. Mm. So uh, no, I rate Lindelof. I think he's good.
2: Okay. So you know we are we are closing in on a uh, forty-five minutes now. So I do want to want to put a bow on this. Um, got a little fun little. F- Three true or false questions I want to ask, and I want to get all three of you guys uh, to answer these. Then I want to do your expectations for what will make a successful campaign, and then predictions also for this next year. Um, and so, true or false, um, United wins a trophy in the next five years. Colin, we'll start with you. <laughs> true. Are you saying a trophy? A trophy. Just a trophy. A <laughs> trophy. True. I'm not talking preseason tournaments. Hey, he's he's, so- he's softballing. Trigger warning. Say true. Is anyone saying false? <laughs> I think it's a good question, no? Uh what trophy it, it,
3: are you winning? He did say a trophy in five years. I mean the the odds are pretty pretty good.
0: So Patrick, how many trophies have uh Manchester United won in the last three barren years compared to Arsenal?
2: One, right? The the Europa League?
3: Uh no. <laughs> FA Cup also. FA Cup. League the, Cup
0: uh the League Cup and the Europa League.
2: I remember any of those uh, <laughs> it up as one, nothing, so we're saying,
0: <laughs> we're saying three in the last three years and none in the next five and we regard three in the last uh, three years as pretty abysmal so uh, I think um, there's the answer, your answer answer your question is uh, what's the other the other the question was phrased as true 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 <laughs> no what was it we will
1: we, we
2: won't United wins a trophy the next five years okay true uh, I got what I wanted out of that question yeah I don't uh, I, <laughs> I think you I think you already won yeah. just by asking that question what you get for softballing <laughs> right, answers next, to us uh, next question next one um, I don't know if this is getting better or worse for me or for you um Ali Gunny Solsar starts 2021 20, season as manager of Manchester United ooh hot take I'm gonna say true Dead. Oh, you want me next?
0: I'm going true. Despite all my earlier negativity, I'm going true.
1: He makes it through a full season. Yes. Not just makes it, but... Because we, we will
0: make uh, we will make yeah. Champions League, so I, I presume that's where we're going to end as well as a prediction of the
3: top... Uh, well, that, I'll just go ahead and I'm cross off my next true or false. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say they give them at least uh, uh, two years. I'm, you know, I'm going maybe a year and a half.
1: I'm going false because I'm a pessimist and I think our our um, our the, the worst parts of our nature as United fans and the United board will show through with lack of patience.
2: Interesting. Yeah. So I guess I can uncross I off like my it. last question because I think that this they 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 I think they're tied um, fourth place. Is, does United make the Champions League for the 2021 season as well? I think that that is, is so an intertwined question. I guess do. I'll go
1: first here. I think true, but I think Ole's going to get removed mid season. Someone's going to come in and really? bring us over I the just, line. I just wow. don't know
3: who would though. You know, like yeah, you could you could kick him out, but who yeah. who would you, who would you fill who would you fill in that spot and then? I mean, start that take, like takes takes us all down right. a whole other road. Right. That's just my take. Yeah, I'm just saying. Michael yeah. Carrick. Once we go offline, I'll ask you. Yeah, we'll that offline question. this. Yeah.
0: Okay. Gotcha. So well, I think, um, just to be clear, when, as a true fan, when, when Man United walk onto the pitch alongside Chelsea and their uh, lookalike Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Frankie Lampard, who, remember, is also supposed to bring, bring back the Chelsea way when they yeah. lost uh, marquee, uh, their marquee player, i.e. Hazard, not Pogba. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when Man United win that first game against Frankie Lampard, uh, Chelsea... We will be full of optimism, and I will be assuming that we're on for a title challenge. That's how I approach the season, just to be clear, yep. uh, even though we've been very practical in this conversation. Right. It will not pan out that way, but Manchester United will be challenging for second place and will finish third, uh, the top two still being Liverpool and Man City, but we will challenge them more closely.
2: From Liverpool, the top row? I love Liverpool
0: it. Liverpool will not reach the heights of... Uh, of last season, they can't they were incredible uh, for the last year and a half Man City will but it'll be the end of Pep, he will burn out and that'll be their last season um, <sighs> with him uh, Chelsea you know uh, th- there's no way they've not They've got nobody to rep- replace uh, Hazard with all due respect to Pulisic who will yeah, need at least two seasons, seasons to now. adjust Um, We haven't even gone on to Arsenal, but they will run it close with Wolves, I I, I think, for the Europa League. (laughs) Uh, and Tottenham
3: will not reach their heights either, so that is my prediction. Scorched earth. I'm, Scorched earth. I'm, I'm glad we got this recording on tape, so when this yeah. does come true, we can say, Nigel, yeah. you are less of a man, spoken, more of a prophet. Spoken like
1: a man who needs to go fire up a barbecue. Yeah. You, threw, you threw
3: out about six or
2: seven hot takes there. Yeah. I was, uh, that was. That was. Those were meant to be a linear segments, and you just. You just went for the slam dunk, and I appreciate that. Um, but Colin, yeah, if you wanna, if you wanna chime in here with your. Um, I guess it's predictions for next season. Predictions for next t- season, expectations for next season, and uh, compliments to Arsenal.
1: Let's put it. Let's put it in a in a metric. Go um,
3: by order, top six. By order, top six. Okay, uh, it's not going to be as wild as Sir Mister Nigel, uh, but it will be. It'll probably be City again, just because they're stacked. Yep. Um, I could see Liverpool doing it again because they are they they too they're probably just going to ride that high from last season. So Liverpool too. Spurs. I'm going to go ahead and say I don't think Liverpool got worse. If anything, they're going to get better. Yeah, I mean, so, I, I also think they, they,
2: they, they scraped a lot of points out of some pretty miraculous True. situations. True. Okay. All right. So, for, yes. in the introduction yes. of VAR will. So take you're back. saying yeah. City yeah. first, yes. Liverpool second? I think then they Liverpool, lose. Yeah. I think they lose eight points with the introduction of VAR. Okay.
3: <laughs> I still think Spurs will do. You know, bottle it, you know, so they'll probably continue what they did this last season. So Spurs 3, and then United 4, I would have to say Arsenal 5. Just because they're not uh, as shambolic as people think they are, and they're oh. definitely not as shambolic as Chelsea is right now. So <laughs> that's, uh, I'm gonna say Chelsea six, and so then everyone else after that. That's
1: my exact order, except switch Chelsea and Arsenal. I think mm-hmm. Arsenal's in for a
3: very rough season.
2: Really? Um, because they're the invincibles again until they're not. That's how I approach <laughs> every season, Nigel. So uh, we are we are aligned. To you're going it. into the you're going <laughs> into the first game of the season as invincibles. Yes, <laughs> until we're true, not. True and fans, true fans, awaited Un- Yeah. Yeah, and that'll be a, a way at, uh, Burnmouth, uh, 2 the boss. We call normally, that a banana peel.
1: Yeah,
0: That's, yeah. that's normally a tricky fixture for the for Gunners.
2: Oh, yeah, it, yeah, that, okay. Southampton, every yeah, it doesn't matter what it is. Um, but no, that is, that was... Can I ask one more question? Please. Just to wrap it up, to change the narrative of us being,
1: uh, you know, uh, remembering the Glory Day fans, uh... Dad, Colin, I want to ask you what your favorite post-Ferguson moment is as a United fan, just to end it on a look-to-the-future moment.
2: I got several. Uh, I,
0: if I could just squeeze in two, uh, okay. because they they both are. I actually think I, yeah. winning the Europa League, because it, it is about winning tournaments. I don't think there's anything wrong with the Europa League. I think that was quite an achievement. And and so that's my genuine, It takes a lot to win a Europa League Yeah, final. that's my genuine favorite book. But I... <laughs> Close runner-up to that is the Van Gaal uh, slip. Uh, yes, oh, you uh, took uh, mine. That, uh, that after he felt that the Arsenal players were, were uh, falling to the ground far too much in their attempts
3: to beat Man United.
1: Oh, so good, Colin. What do you think?
3: Uh, I got two. I would say uh, legendary. <laughs> that picture is legendary. We pulled up the, the Van Gaal on the floor. Before <laughs> before. I but yeah, uh, it's all time. It's I would time. have to. I would have to say uh, Van Hall's last game. Um, <laughs> the FA Cup, right? That was the yeah. FA Cup? Yeah, I would say We were at that la- game. Last game. Uh, it was just so much fun to watch. He, and then, he
1: brought the trophy to the press conference in an ultimate just
3: uh, Just power, power move. Power Without power a lid. No one knows where that lid is. It <laughs> disappeared. And then I'd probably have to say my boy Rooney getting 250 right before he went off to Everton. Yeah. Bringing it full circle to your fandom. I there you like go. See? Yeah. Die hard.
2: Wonderful. Boy. Well, um... Guys, this was this was a lot of fun. Uh, really thank you uh, for coming on. Um, would love to have you back. I think we have a match match week three or four United-Arsenal game. So I'd like to see how we're both feeling there. And um, maybe maybe send a little debate uh, because it seemed a little one-sided this time. But no, in all seriousness, really great conversation. I think that um, United is in for an interesting season. I think that's the best way to put it. Uh, but James, why don't, you, why don't you take us out? Yeah. Um, thank you guys for joining. Um,
1: we will follow up with some outro information on how to reach us on social, all that good stuff. So in that vein, um, we're collecting a lot of just quotables from you guys. Just, you know, oh, this was the best time of my life. Something like that that we can just uh, add on to our award submissions. So if you guys have anything good and nice you want to say about us, now's the time.
2: Like right now, just nice? Anything? Yeah, we'll cut it out of the actual episode, but oh, okay. we want to just plop it into the outro that just something really we can sound. take out of context yeah exactly
3: like Arsenal the best team ever uh, Patrick's an amazing host things like that I was gonna say uh, I can't wait to play soccer with Patrick again there we love go love it have been wanting to say that all day <laughs> Olay is a great bullfighter I need him on my team <laughs> yes.
1: love it and with that thank you all for joining listeners at home love you guys we'll see you next time
2: What's up, Prem Heads? Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts at Prem De La Prem, a Premier League podcast, and smash that subscribe button for all other interviews, segments, and hot takes that you can handle. You can also find us on Instagram for some fire content at Prem De La Prem Podcast. No spaces, no punctuation, just like life.